Tony and uh, what awesome words there from Tony about being grateful because they were the words that were actually on my heart at that point too that I'm just so grateful to be here. Are you grateful to be here? Eh? Yeah, we're here with one another in the presence of God together. Where else would you want to be? Eh? Why don't you turn to someone near you and just say, you know, I'm grateful you're here today. Tell them that you're grateful that they're here today. Okay, that's awesome. I can hear there's lots of grateful people having lots of conversations about things they're grateful about. So it's awesome to hear. And I bet you're going to continue those conversations afterwards, aren't you? Yeah? Okay. Look, I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Oh, Father God, we are so grateful. We're just so grateful to be here together in worship this morning. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you are doing in this church, all that you are doing in this, this body of people. We just thank you that, that your word would go out this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would shape us, transform us, that you would mould us into the very image of Christ Jesus. We are open, we are ready. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, would anyone here describe themselves as a little bit choosy? You know, you're, you're really careful and particular about what you like or don't like. Is that anyone here? You're, you're a bit choosy? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think most of us are probably choosy about the right things, aren't we? Um, you know, you, you don't settle for just anything, do you? Maybe you're someone who, who says, you know what, I have kind of high standards about things. I have very particular tastes. Have you seen the insurance ad for Choosy Insurance? Has anyone seen that ad? Are you right now getting PTSD about that jingle? I was going to play that jingle for you and you can be grateful that I didn't because I thought, they're going to hate me. <laughs> and and even, like, even as I was putting together this sermon, I'm thinking, okay, it's all about being choosy, be choosy, be choosy. This jingle starts playing in my head and I had no idea what product it was even for. I just knew that there was some sort of advertisement playing in my head and of course it's for choosing insurance and the idea is with all the different insurance products that are out there on the market, you know, how do you choose the right one? You need to be choosy about what you pick because insurance is such a, a, a critical and significant and important thing. So the whole point of, of their company is that, that you're supposed to choose them. Be choosy, be particular, be careful and choose us. I'm choosy about um, things like coffee. Anyone else here in that bracket? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd be Christian if you weren't choosy about coffee. It seems to go hand in hand. You're baptised in the Holy Spirit and they're baptised in coffee, I don't know, anyway. Um, so I'm choosy about, about my coffee and my coffee shops. I'm choosy about hair colour. You know, if you get the wrong hair colour in here, it's not good. Okay, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I've got a very good hairdresser who, who does a wonderful job. I'm choosy about the TV shows I watch. Does anyone else here tend to just flick through the TV guide or Netflix and not actually watch anything? You just spend the evening flicking through it because you can't find anything that eh, quite fits your taste? even better. Well, you're really the choosiest of us all, Alison, because you pick, choose not to. Well done. It's probably the better way. Church, what I want to tell us this morning is I want to say, let's be choosy. Let's be choosy. Not so much about the brand of coffee that we drink, but let's be careful and discerning about what we feed our spirits and minds on. We should be really choosy when it comes to the people and the voices that we allow to affect our life and our faith. And, uh, you know, my heart really is for the, the bride of Christ to be strong and beautiful and radiant. And, and I just love seeing the church flourish. Do you just love seeing the church of Jesus Christ flourish? Is that something that just causes your heart to go, yeah? You know, I love seeing people hooked into the local church, serving, discipling one another, encouraging each other, you know, being missional. Don't you just love that too? Jesus says 
in Matthew 10:16, he says, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, we, we get the innocent bit of that, don't we? Let's not forget the shrewd part of it. We should be choosy with the people and voices we listen to and allow to affect uh, not only our own individual lives but also the collective life of our church Um, because this is how the church is able to stay focused and stay on point with Jesus' mission for us. We're on a mission together. Don't ever forget that. I think though for us there's one thing that um, I guess makes it difficult to be a little bit choosy and that's that we're spoilt for choice often, aren't we? We have easy access to so many different opinions and so much information. Would you agree? I mean, you think back, say, 100 years ago, around the 1920s. I'm guessing there are only a few select newspapers Uh, There was radio, I guess there was ABC radio. I don't know if there were many other radio stations. I'm thinking not. Um, Maybe some magazines. The Open Road, NRMA Open Road magazine. I think maybe it was kicking around back then. All right. Um, You needed a high amount of credibility, education and wisdom to be able to really have a voice into society at that time to be able to publish a book or or to lead people in some sort of way. Now, fast forward 100 years and think about our world today. We've got news apps, multiple ones, social media feeds, multiple ones. We've got written newspapers, multiple ones. We've got TV media, multiple stations. We've got radio stations, many. We've got advertising everywhere. We have published authors, self-published authors. We have magazines, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels. Anyone, anyone with basic resources and basic technology can put their teaching, their message, their opinion out there into the world. Church with so many voices and so much information out there How do you decide who to listen to? How do you decide who to listen to? With so many teachers and preachers and prophets and evangelists and just people with an opinion out there, how do you decide who to listen to? I think, I think if ever there was a time that we needed discernment and needed to teach our kids about discernment. It really is now. It really is now. We need to have a discerning taste when it comes to what we choose to feed our, our mind and our spirits on. We need to be wise and, and prudent. Do you know there's someone in this church whose name means wise and prudent? Yeah, I can see lots of smiles. He lets everyone know, doesn't he? (laughs) But we do. We need to be wise and prudent. We need to be um, discerning. We need to be sharp and cluey. We need to be choosy. Jesus warns us to be careful. He warns us to be choosy. And I think if Jesus is going to warn me about something, I don't know about you, but I'm paying attention. Are you paying attention when Jesus says, I'm warning you about this? You bet. We're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 7 today and um, we'll be pulling out a few different scriptures from there, a few other places too, but mainly Matthew chapter 7. And in verse 15, Jesus says this to us. He says, Watch out for false prophets. They will come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are hungry wolves. Now, he's referring here to prophets. 
What are prophets? Well, look, generally they're, they're people called by God to speak on his behalf. They're God's spokesperson. You know, it's the thus saith the Lord kind of deal. It's not so much about predicting the future, although, you know, you do see that in, in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. You do see a little bit of future predicting. But, but more than that, it's really about speaking forth God's word to people. And so from that, you know, when I refer to prophecy and when I read this little verse where Jesus warns us about prophets, I'm kind of taking that to include anyone who is speaking God's word to others. So any teaching, any, any writing or any speaking that comes from someone who is claiming some sort of authority on what God is saying or on what God thinks or on what is, is good or true or correct doctrine or belief or Christian action. And so whether it's, it's from the pulpit in church, and, and gosh, I hope you're weighing up what I'm saying here today, uh, whether it's from the pulpit in church, whether it's at a prayer meeting, whether it's uh, in a small group, your social media feed, or a conversation with a fellow believer, I, I, I think this, this warning from Jesus is relevant in all of those situations. And so Jesus warns us. He says, hey, there are fake prophets out there pseudo-prophets, pseudo-prophets, imitation ones. They're not real. They're people who falsely claim to speak for God, to be speaking on behalf of God, but they really aren't. And in doing so, they are leading you astray. We need to be choosy. And there's this lovely contrast here in that verse. Sheep versus wolves. What a great image that is. You've got your sheep and you've got your wolf. And sheep, of course, what are sheep? They're, they're harmless. They're innocent. Um, wolves, what are they? They're, they're hungry. They're ferocious. They're ravenous. They're, they're dangerous. It's in the nature of wolves to kill and destroy, isn't it? And they, they take down innocent, helpless prey like sheep. And of course, sheep, they're, they're known to be pretty docile. They're known to be easily led. They're, they're, they're easy for a wolf to take down. When it comes to discernment, sometimes we can be a bit like sheep, church. We, we can be led so far from what God has for us that it actually becomes destructive and dangerous for us and our families and, and our churches and, and society as a whole. The danger in these pseudo-fake prophets, of course, is that they look good. I mean, if you knew it was a wolf, well, you'd avoid it, wouldn't you? But they, they look like sheep. They look good. They look like one of us. They seem harmless. And so we trust them because we can relate to these people. You know, they speak our language. They bar like we bar. These people, they're enjoyable to be around. They're gifted. You know, they're gifted with words. They're gifted with, you know, social media production or something. And they're smart. And that's why we listen to them, because they seem legit and they're appealing. But what Jesus warns us is that, that people like this are actually hungry and ravenous wolves who will destroy or harm or hurt those who listen to their teaching or words. They are dazzling but destructive. You know, I, I know people, people who love Jesus, people who they, they love others, they're gifted, they're amazing, they're just awesome people but they have this tendency to listen to the wrong voices, the wrong teaching, the wrong prophecy. And the reason I say it's wrong is because I see the destructive effect that it has on them. I see the destructive effect that it has on church or their family or their mission or their calling. It just seems to hinder and stifle who God has made them to be and what he's called them to be. And it grieves me. It grieves me. I see the, the lost potential there. 
because they haven't been choosy about the voices that they're listening to. So Jesus says, watch out. Be careful, beware, beware. So I'm going to give you three reasons now why it's actually hard to be discerning and choosy because I think we'd all do it if it was really easy. So obviously it's a bit hard, isn't it? So I'm going to give you three reasons why I think it's hard to be discerning and choosy and then we're going to jump into what Jesus says about how to be choosy, how we can be choosy with the voices we listen to. The first, the first reason, um, we've been taught that judging is wrong. We've been taught that judging others is wrong. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 1. I mean, it kind of says that, doesn't it? Do not judge. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Do not judge or you too will be judged. All right, and then it goes on to say in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged, etc. It's got the talk about, you know, planks in your eye and... Don't be a hypocrite, etc., etc. Okay. So it does kind of say, well, you know, don't judge. And we think, well, must be best for me just to not make a judgment call about what others are saying or doing. Um, I don't want to say that they're wrong. Okay. And we sort of think, actually, it's wrong to say someone's wrong. Do you ever sort of start to feel like that? Which, by the way, I don't think that's what this passage is saying and I think that's actually more of a uh, postmodern idea coming from the world we live in than it is a biblical idea, okay, to say that it's wrong to say someone's wrong but we won't go down that track too much. What I want to show you here is following on from, from verse 5 where it's talking about being a hypocrite and first take the plank out of your own eye. There's this interesting little bit and you can read along with me. Verse 6, so it says, Do not give to dogs what is sacred, Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What a mysterious little few lines that is, kind of just tacked on there. Do you ever wonder why that's tacked on there after the bit about do not judge? Hey, that's interesting, isn't it? What's it saying? Here's what I think it's saying. I think Jesus is clarifying the difference between judging and discernment. Or put another way, Uh, clarifying the difference between inappropriate judging and appropriate judging, okay? Um, You must recognise the unholy and the unrighteous people and things and, and in this little proverb, represented by the dogs and the pigs, unholy, unrighteous things, and not allow them to trample or destroy you. You know, when you give to the wrong people, um, you know, your valuable time, your valuable self, your valuable mind, who you are, you, you risk being destroyed by them. You risk being trampled underfoot. You, you risk these hungry dogs turning and tearing you to pieces. Jesus says, don't do that. There is a difference between being judgmental and being discerning. There is a difference between appropriate judging and inappropriate judging. And so we, we do need to not just rule out judging the, the things and weighing up the things people say, but we can take this to, to be a word of encouragement to us. Be careful. It is okay to say that something or someone else is wrong. The second reason why it is hard to be discerning and choosy is we're used to being countercultural. We're used to being countercultural. 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It's the whole we're in the world but not of it idea, isn't it? And there were many, many scriptures I could have pulled out to sort of represent that idea that, um, you know, we we, are to live a counter-cultural lifestyle. That's quite right, isn't it? We we are used to living 
this countercultural lifestyle because the, the life of faith in Jesus goes against everything the world would tell us is good and right and appropriate, doesn't it? But with that, I think, comes the tendency for us as believers to pick up on everything that is countercultural, everything that goes against mainstream advice or teaching because we're kind of a bit primed for it. And, and so for some of us it means we can end up having this distrust of everything that the world says, whether it's politicians or science or historians or media or whatever. And, and more than that, what I see happening is some Christians or teachers or prophets or people just try to gain credibility for themselves by presenting themselves as, as like whistleblowers on fake news, as ones who will alert you to misinformation fed to the masses, as ones who have this uh, secret knowledge or the truth on a subject that the rest of us poor helpless people have been led astray on. And as soon as I hear someone talking like this, I put on my discernment glasses and I put the extra strong, thick lenses in, all right? Because it's manipulative, isn't it? Uh, That's manipulative talk. A countercultural life in Jesus, I'm telling you, has far more to do with radical love and radical service than it does on radical views on science, medicine and the media. And you're free to disagree with me, but that's just the way I see things. Just because someone is teaching something that is counter to what the world teaches doesn't make it right. So that's the second reason it's hard to be choosy. The third one, we lack confidence. We lack confidence. I think sometimes we go to other voices because we lack the confidence to search out the scriptures and hear from God on our own. Sometimes I think we we even lack the confidence that our own local church has been specially gifted and graced with, with all the prophetic gifts and all the teaching gifts that we need. Let me encourage you with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-7. This is a beautiful scripture. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-7. I always thank my God for you. I always thank my God for you. That's each one of you here today. Because of the grace he has given you. That's each one of you here today. In Christ Jesus. For in him you and that's everyone sitting here today, you have been enriched. You have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming his testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you, that's all of us here together, do not lack any spiritual gift. We don't lack any spiritual gift as we eagerly await for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. God really has given us everything we need, church, by his spirit deposited in each of the members of this church sitting here today. Do you believe that? Is that true? Has he deposited his spirit in you? Has he deposited his gifts of prophecy and healing and evangelism and teaching in you? Has he given you the ability to to read the word of God and understand it? I mean, if you can read, you can read the word of God. And if you've got the Holy Spirit, I don't know, I reckon you can understand it too. We can be choosy and discerning because we do have the wisdom it takes to hear from God, to understand what he says to us in his Bible, to know what he is saying. You know, we we don't need to go out there for prophetic words because God has them for us right here. 
You know, and I believe even that word from um, where uh, Tony was talking about um, being glad. I reckon that's a word for some of us here this morning, about being glad. I've been reading the book Pollyanna with my 10-year-old daughter. Awesome book. And if, you, if you're familiar with it, it's all about being glad. You know, finding a situation in, in everything that's happening in your day to be glad about. And so maybe for some of you here today, there's stuff that's just not quite working how you wish it would. What can you be glad about? What can you be glad about? I know there's stuff that you can be glad about. It's just a mind shift change. I mean, he's given you everything to be glad about in Christ Jesus. There's a start right there. Okay? Um, We don't need to go out there for prophetic words because God has them for us right here. Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay, so there, there are three reasons why it can be hard to be discerning and choosing. Bit of, it's helpful for us to have a bit of a guidance though on how to be discerning and choosing. So let's get stuck into a bit more of that, uh, that verse on Matthew seven fifteen to 20. So we read verse 15 before and let's now read the rest of that. So Matthew 7 starting at verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They will come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are hungry wolves. You will be able to tell them by the fruit they bear. You don't find grapes growing on thorn bushes, do you? Or figs on thistles. Well, in the same way, good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. Actually, good trees can't produce bad fruit, nor can bad ones produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, you must recognise them by their fruits. How can we be choosy and discerning? We use the fruit principle, don't we? Jesus here is saying, Consider the person, not just the prophecy. Weigh up the man, not just the message. It's the fruit principle. It's the fruit principle. So what is it? If we were to have a look at Luke chapter 6, 43 to 45, it sort of teases it out a little bit more. Jesus here again is talking about bearing fruit. And he says in verse 43, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Can you see here where we're heading with the the prophecy? If you want to know whether a message is good, check the speaker's heart. It's that simple. If their heart is good, the message will be good. If their heart is bad, the message is going to be bad too, isn't it? Obviously. It's the fruit principle. The stuff that we are made of, what's inside of someone, will affect what they produce, what comes out of them, what they give birth to. And so Jesus says, make your assessment about whether this person is a true mouthpiece of God or a false one by looking at the fruit they bear in their life. Are they a grapevine? Are they a thorn bush? Well, do they grow grapes or thorns? Do they grow figs or thistles? If someone's heart is full of fear, their prophecy, their teaching, their advice, the way they interpret scriptures, it's going to be full of fear, isn't it? One plus one equals two. If someone's heart is is filled with pride or works, what's their prophecy or teaching or advice going to be filled with? Pride and works, most likely. I, um, I work alongside Hillary with girls 
from the high school as part of the Lynx program. And uh, I can tell you what their heart is full of by the things they say. <laughs> um, by their attitudes to very simple things like um, a lack of chocolate chips to put in the muffins they're baking or being asked to wash up after they've done some baking. I can tell you what's in their heart by the way they respond and by the way they uh, talk to me about those things. I can tell what's happening inside of them by the way they treat each other, which just quietly is kind of like America versus the Taliban at times, all right? But I can tell what's inside their hearts by the things they say. You know, when someone's heart is full of um, anger or sin or condemnation or shame, their words and their actions are going to be influenced by that. And so we need to be really choosy who we listen to. Jesus says, you will recognise the false prophets by the fruit they they bear. And, And so we need to become what Bill Vasilakis would call fruit inspectors. We need to become fruit inspectors. Did you know there are uh, uh, special standards, they're called the OECD standards, for fruit and vegetables that are sold internationally? Did you know that? There's this whole list list available on the internet that will tell you what good fruit looks like. I mean, it's it's quite fascinating, really. I've got, like, you know, I looked it up the other day and I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. Like, I mean, mangoes. Who likes mangoes here? You like mangoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mango season. Um... So here we go. Hopefully it still loads. Yeah, there we go. So mangoes. Okay, so the international standards for mangoes. And we'll skip past the French bits. Um, here we go. So uh, mangoes must be intact. They must not have any damage or injury or spoiling. They must be sound. They must be free from disease or serious deterioration, which appreciably affects their appearance, edibility or keeping quality. They can't have any sunburn, stem rot, a word I can't pronounce, uh, bacterial black spot, stem end cavity, hot water scald. There must be no brushing damage. They must be free of soil, dust, chemical residue. The skin must not be dull or showing signs of dehydration. And, you know, on and on and on it goes about moisture and smell and uh, transportation and shape and size and physiological developments or something. Um, So there's there's a really detailed list there for us about what good fruit looks like. And you can look up any fruit you like and know what good fruit is based on that list. And and so we need to be a bit like that. We need to be fruit inspectors and we kind of need to take our kind of list and hold it up against someone that we might be um, listening to and going, okay, do they measure up to the list? Do Do they fit the bill? Do you have a list like that to measure people against? International standards for Christian fruit or something? Hey? I mean, we do, don't we? We do. We've got the standards, international standards, don't we? How to be fruit inspectors? How to be fruit inspectors? So, so number one, fruit must look like... No, no, we're talking about Jesus things here now. Fruit must look like, I heard it, Jesus, fruit must look like Jesus, it's obvious. But that's really what the fruit has to look like. It must be the same as Jesus. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do squat, nothing. If someone is connected to Jesus, it will be the Jesus sort of fruit that they bear. It's logical, isn't it? If someone is connected to Jesus, their life will be full of loving unity and humble service. I think that's what Jesus' fruit looks like. I think that really is what sums up Jesus' fruit. Loving unity and humble service. And that's just spelled out here beautifully for us in Philippians chapter 2. And you'll, you'll be familiar with this verse. Philippians 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, uh, so referring to Jesus of course, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Loving unity, togetherness. 
I would say to us church, anyone who is speaking or teaching God's word but is unable to participate or maintain long-term commitment to loving unity in the wider body of Christ should give you cause for concern. If someone is unable to maintain healthy, loving connections to the local church, there is a problem. And, and more than that, any prophetic word or any teaching that draws you away from fellowship and community and church life, any teaching that isolates you, that makes you feel like there are very few true believers or that you need to separate yourself from other believers, that's not Jesus' fruit. That's bad fruit. Let's read a bit more of Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of each of the others. So Jesus' fruit means humility over selfish ambition. Others come first. Serving others is number one. It's a life of self-sacrificial love. Jesus was washing feet, he was eating with social outcasts and he was dying on a cross. And I tell you what, that's messy work and it doesn't make for nice Instagram feeds. Feet, sinners, death, not fame, not, not celebrity, not success. And so when you're weighing up whether someone bears Jesus' fruit or not, ask yourself, where's this person serving? How are they serving? Who are they serving? Who do they value? Do they have a heart for people or for a platform? A heart for fame or fellowship? Success or service? Do they lay down their life for others? All types of others, not just the nice others. That will tell you whether they truly do speak God's word or whether they are a pseudo-prophet. So that's the first way we we can tell fruit. Fruit should look like Jesus. And secondly, and there's only two points, kind of, um, look for Holy Spirit fruit before Holy Spirit gifts. Look for Holy Spirit fruit before Holy Spirit gifts. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, I bet some of you could like have this verse memorised and you could probably tell me what this list is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. When we're comparing that to Holy Spirit gifts, we're talking obviously about prophecy and words of knowledge and casting out demons and miracles and healing and interpretation of tongues and all those sorts of things. Now, why do I say look for the fruit before the gifts? Why do I say that? Well, Matthew 7 is why I say that. If we keep reading down past our little passage about sheep and wolves and have a look there at verse 22. Matthew 7:22. But many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It really is tempting, isn't it, to see miracles as the measure of authenticity of a ministry. Now, hear me here. Miracles matter. I mean, I love a, I love a good healing as much as the next person. <laughs> miracles matter. They do. Okay. But they don't make you right with God, do they? The measure of authenticity you should look for in someone is love and long-suffering and faithfulness and self-control. Because Jesus says here, you can fake gifts. 
you know what, you can't fake Jesus' fruit. You can perform supernatural works by powers other than Jesus and, and you can look good on a stage, but you can't fake life fruit. You can't produce fruit apart from Jesus. Because fruit is, is formed in the everyday act of living with Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit day by day forming the character of Christ in you. It's the daily relationship that we have with Jesus that enables us to bear good, legitimate fruit. And when someone is daily abiding with Jesus, you can trust that their words and their teaching and their wisdom has come out of that relationship. Have you noticed what I'm really talking about here is character? Character. When it comes to discernment and being choosy, just put to one side for the moment gifts and talents and ministries and, and how many followers someone has or how financially successful a ministry is or how sought after they are as a visiting speaker and consider who they are. Consider who they are, church. I've got a question for you. If you're trying to make a a judgment call about the fruit of two different Christian um, leaders or voices or or prophets, you're trying to decide, who should I listen to? Whose character can you best assess? Would it be person A, which is, say, um, someone you go to church with? Perhaps you visit their home each week for small group. Perhaps they visit you in your home. Perhaps, you know, you could, if you wanted to, sit down and have a coffee and a chat with them. You could pray with them if you wanted to. So person A. Or person B. Someone who lives in another country um, or across the other side of um, this country. Maybe they're part of a church of thousands. Maybe they travel all the time. Only a select few people can gain access to them and it's certainly never going to be you. And and really the, the only contact you have with them is through their YouTube channel. Which of those two people, A or B, are you going to best be able to discern the character of? A. It's always going to be A. Because... As a fruit inspector, it's all about whose fruit you actually have access to. You know, a fruit inspector needs to see and handle and touch and taste the fruit, don't they? It's no good just seeing the fruit on Facebook. You have to pick it up. I'm not going to tell you who you should or shouldn't uh, listen to as a voice speaking into your life. But I will tell you what Jesus said, which is to be choosy about it. Because it it seems like, you know, once a month that there's another well-known, high-profile Christian that's called out for significant character-related issues. And it, it, it pains me. It grieves me. You know, they they're called out for bearing rotten fruit. And it's there in public for everyone to see. And because they're people who have had a significant voice and a significant ministry platform and, and what their bad fruit does for the church and the kingdom of God and our witness is, is heartbreaking. What it does for their families is heartbreaking. You know, it's like that report that's been released recently this week. You know, the report into... A, Australian soldiers' war crimes in Afghanistan. You know, soldiers that were bearing rotten fruit because they listened to the wrong voices, because they were, they were led by the wrong people and influenced by the wrong people. And it's tragic. It, it's, it's awful, isn't it, when you hear things like that. Church, we need one another. We need one another. We need the small local church so that we have good accountability, so that we can safeguard against fake prophets and teachers and the destruction that they can bring into the body of Christ. It's um, it's like, it really is like Vita Gummies. 
exactly like Vita gummies, actually, don't you think? What I'm saying is just like Vita gummies. Some people are looking a bit blank. You don't know what I mean. I should probably explain Vita gummies. Does everyone know what Vita gummies are? No? Fid, would you like to come out and try a Vita gummy? Come on. Yeah. Oh, you just caught my eye. I don't know. It was, maybe it was prophecy or something. I don't know. You know. Oh, oh, you got three. That is your that is your adult dose of vitamin gummies for the day. So eat up. They're good. What do you think? You can go back. Are they good? Yeah, they taste all right, don't they? They pretty much just taste like lollies, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So basically, they're just vitamin tablets, except they're lollies, not tablets. You don't have to swallow them whole. You chew them, and they're kind of sweet. Yeah, go for it, Rach. What do you think? Are they good? Yeah, well, there's vitamins in there, but, but they're good. They're small, they're easy to chew, they're soft, they're sugar-coated, yeah. Yep, contains sugars, yeah, lots of it. Does not contain real fruit. <laughs> Fancy that. Um, my kids love them. My kids love them. In fact, sometimes I reckon they'd prefer just to pop a few Vita gummies than to have to sit at the family meal table and eat a full meal. You know, because these are sweet, easy to eat, chew them quickly, and then you're back to your bedrooms or back to whatever you want to do. But, you know, when you, when you have to sit down at the family meal table, you've got to, like, chew steak, don't you? Ah, it takes effort. Steak and veggies, steak and salad. You've got to cut it. You've got to chew it. Sometimes the steak's a bit tough, overcooked, you know, and then you've got to have a conversation with your family, like you've got to look at them in the eye and talk to them about things and, and you know, Vita gummies, much easier. The thing is though, Vita gummies aren't actually all that good for you, right, they do contain vitamins and so they're okay as a bit of a supplement, aren't they? But there's no way you could live on gummies. In fact, if you have too many of these things, it actually could damage your body, having too much of that sort of thing. So there's no replacement for the family meal table, are they? Where you sit down with your family and you chew on some meat and veg and you have some conversation and sharing with one another. And yeah, sure, sometimes there's a bit of bickering that goes on at the table. And yeah, sure, maybe you don't quite like what's served up on the plate that day. But that's how we're designed to to, to eat and operate as a family, isn't it? And church, that's like us. You know, we're not designed to pop a few YouTube Vita gummies. That's not what we live on. That's a supplement, don't make that your main diet. Our main diet is as we, we come around the Word of God in our homes and, and in our churches and we sit down together and we, we fellowship and we feast on the Word and we worship together and we look at one another and we talk to one another about what's been going on in our lives and yeah sure sometimes maybe there's a bit of bickering that goes on and sure maybe sometimes you don't like the 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 steak that gets served up maybe it sometimes is a bit overcooked and dry or maybe it sometimes is a bit underdone a bit pink still but it's good food it's how we're designed to to live as the church as the bride of Christ with one another and so if I could say anything to you today, you know, as you, as you are choosy about who you listen to, prioritise the voices in your own local church. These are supplements. They're okay, they have their place. But they are never designed to replace the family meal together. Together. Let me just finish by reading just a few more words from from Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall 
because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell down with a great crash. Be choosy about where you build your house and where you lay your foundations, about what you base your life and your faith on. Lay them upon the rock that is Jesus and his church. Don't be foolish or careless or thoughtless about where you build your house. Choose wisely. Otherwise, when that storm comes, everything will come crashing down. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of the local church. I thank you for the gift of, of each person that is sitting here today. I thank you for the, the ministry and the, 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 the ministry of the word that we can give and share with one another. I thank you for the opportunities that we have to speak into each other's life. Father, I pray that as a church we would be choosy and discerning and wise and careful about all the voices that we listen to. And Father God, just by your spirit, would you continue to stir up our spiritual gifts amongst us? Would you continue to feed us? Would you continue to grow in us the gifts of of words of knowledge, of prophecy, of healing? Lord, as we head out, This afternoon, would you give us opportunities to bless and encourage and build up one another in our faith? And Lord, when we come across something that is unhealthy or unwise, just by your spirit, would you bring a check into our hearts? Would we have just refined and choosy palates when it comes to the things that we will input into ourselves, into our spirits, into our minds? And Lord, as each and every person here reads the word of God for for themselves, would you just bring uh, revelation? Would you bring illumination? Would you bring those words to life? Would they be health and life and nourishment to each of us as we read those words this week? We just thank you for the good work you are doing in this place. We thank you for the bride of Christ who is just rising up in all her beauty and glory, glorious strength, Lord. We just thank you that you are ever present and ever faithful to us, your people. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.